0: We're in a series, Church, in the book of Acts, entitled 44. We're studying through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. We are in Acts chapter 2, and uh, we've spent the last several weeks in the first four verses of Acts chapter 2. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, how, how the symbol, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is wind. Another symbol of the Holy Spirit is fire. And uh, today we're going to be talking about how we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, What happens here in Acts 2 verses 1 through 4 is so significant, it sets uh, the stage for the rest of the events that unfold in the book of Acts. Matter of fact, the first four verses here in Acts chapter 2 sets the stage for the rest of, of the church age that we find ourselves in these 2,000 years later. So significant, so important. Happy Pentecost this past week. uh, We're celebrating uh, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Remember, uh, after Passover, 50 days after Passover or Easter was the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And so, uh, we're celebrating that. We're celebrating that with a conference that starts this weekend in all of our services. actually started last night. And tonight, church, family, you are in store for an incredible, special experience. One of the greatest pastors of all time, of this past century and this century, Pastor Tommy Barnett. His son Matthew was with us last year. He's going to be preaching tonight, 6 p.m., right here in this auditorium. And he's one of the greatest preachers of all time. I remember some 27 years ago, I was going to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he was there for a special conference. First time I heard him speak, it blew me away as a young man. It so impacted my life. Uh, Much of what I'm doing today and who I am today is because of this one man and the ministry that God has granted. He has one of the largest churches in in the world, uh, there in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, that he co-pastors with his son Luke. His other son, Matthew, heads up the Dream Center in L.A. uh, that he co-pastors. He's in his 70s, but he's not slowing down. In many ways, he's just getting started. And to think that we get to welcome him here in Lubbock, Texas, Trinity Church tonight is going to be amazing. So I know where you're going to be tonight at 6 p.m. Right here. Look to your neighbor and say, I'll see you tonight at 6. Go on, tell him. look, I'll see you tonight at 6. And then the rest of the week, oh, wow, we have an all-star cast, okay? We have Steve Doolin, who's an elder pastor at Gateway Church in Southlake, uh, there in Dallas, in the Dallas area, and uh, he heads up their habitation service. It started with like five, 600 people. They're now running 4,000 people uh, once a month for this ha- special habitation service. Miracles are happening. People are being healed. I mean, incredible things are happening. He's going to be with us Monday night, Tuesday night. Uh, pa- uh, pa- uh, evangelist Tony Cook, who was one of my Bible instructors uh, many years ago, 27 years ago. And I remember was a young man sitting in his class. He was teaching. I thought, this guy is the best teacher I have ever heard. And I thought, God, uh, when I get older and I'm, a, and, I'm a, and I'm a teacher of the Word, I hope I can teach like this guy. And to think that he's going to be with us Uh, Tuesday night is going to be awesome. And then Wednesday night is going to be a youth emphasis. Now, many of you have heard Pastor Steve Smotherman. He pastors the church that uh, I came out of there in Albuquerque Legacy Church. His son runs 900 young people in their youth ministry. He's a dynamic young minister. So Stevie Smotherman Jr. is going to be with us Wednesday night. And it's really going to be an emphasis for young people, uh, but it's for everybody. So, hey, we we have this entire week packed out. If you were not planning to be here, or you're planning to go on vacation, I give you permission to cancel that vacation and reschedule it, okay, for the next week, because you're not going to want to miss it. I'm just absolutely pumped. And yesterday was an incredible day at R2R. Thank you, all of you that showed up, all of you that volunteered. Special shout out to my wife, uh, and her passion for this. Listen, it is a global problem. It is an, an, an insidious Evil in our society today, uh, human trafficking, the sex trade. You know, right now in Brazil, they're getting ready for the World Cup. And I saw the news that they they have one million prostitutes that are there and ready uh, to to service the clients that will be coming, many of which are underage children that are taken against their will and put into this hideous uh, industry of the sex trade. And you know, here in Lubbock, Texas, we're raising awareness. Here in Lubbock, Texas, we're raising money to help save these young people and to make a difference in our world. And you're doing it, Trinity. Way to go. (laughs) By the way, we had fun. We had families running and walking, and it was just an awesome day. I was on my bike, just having fun, riding. So it was, it, was, it was a joy, and thank you, all of our premium sponsors, everybody that gave. Some of you gave, you couldn't make it, and it was just It was totally awesome. I just, I loved it. All right, you ready for the word? Acts chapter 2, here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. I want you to read verse 4 out loud with me. Let's do it together. Here we go. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word today. We thank you for the impartation of the Word in our hearts and our lives. We thank you that this is a supernatural book. These words are spirit and they are life. They will be absorbed and received in our minds and in our hearts and our souls and in our spirits. And your word, God, will not return back to you void, but it will accomplish what you set it forth to do. It will prosper in every heart and in every life. And it will bring not just more information, but it will also bring inspiration that will bring about transformation. I pray and ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hey, I heard somebody the other day say, if we ignore the Holy Spirit, we are ignoring one of the members of the Godhead. And if we ignore one-third of the Godhead, get this, we are operating on two-thirds of the spiritual power that is available to each of us. Oh, thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago for the church. And I love what it says in verse 4. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with what are people filled with today? What are people in our culture? What are people in our society filled with today? Simply open up a news page, you know, or go uh, get on on TV, and, uh, or turn on the radio, or flip through some some magazines, or see what's trending on Twitter or Facebook. But not now, okay? Look at me. Uh, and you begin to see what people are filled with today. So many people uh, are, there are a lot of people filled with disappointment because California Chrome didn't, you know, didn't win the Triple Crown. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there are people that are filled in our world today with rage, people that are filled with fear, people that are filled with anxiety, people that are filled with hatred, people that are filled with confusion and lust, and greed, and, and prejudice. So many people that are, that are full of so much stuff in their life. There's no room for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 19, it says this. It says, Jude is talking about those who are living their life, and here's the term that's used in this particular translation, people that are living their life devoid, devoid of the Spirit. So many people are devoid of the Spirit. And when we are living our lives devoid of the Spirit, we begin to fill the void of our lives with all types of artificial alternatives. So many people in our world today that are filling their lives with all of these artificial alternatives. And yet God offers His people a filling of, a filling with, or a filling by His Holy Spirit. Now, if there's a filling, there has to be an emptying, right? If you're gonna fill something, you're, you're basically, the connotation of filling something means that it was empty and now it's gonna be filled with something. So you can't fill something unless there's first an emptying. If there's not an emptying, there can't be a filling. Now, just, just look at a few weeks ago here in Lubbock, you know, all of our Playa Lakes, right? Around town, they were empty. They were bone dry. They reminded us every time we drove by of the drought that we are in. And then God, in his mercy, because he promised as long as the earth remains, there would be seed, time, and harvest. God sends the rains to our weary land, and the waters fill up (laughs) these Playa Lakes that were empty. Praise God. Now it's cool to see them brimming over and they're full to c- capacity, and, and, and the water is everywhere, and it's just so beautiful. And God sent us some more rain last night. Come on, church, Come on now. We thank God for it. We don't take it for granted. So if there's a filling, there's also an emptying. Perhaps perhaps the 10 days. remember what happened uh, 40, uh, after the resurrection of Jesus? For the next 40 days, he appeared off and on to his disciples, over 500 eyewitnesses, right? And then he told him, Acts 1 5, not many days hence you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he said again in verse 8 of Acts 1, he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost uh, parts of the earth. All right? Then what happens? Boom, the ascension. He's taken up to heaven. They watch him go into heaven, disappear. And then what? 10 days, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. 10 days. But on the 50th day, 10 days after the ascension of Christ, what happens? Boom, 120 are in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. The Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you filled with today? What's your life filled with today? Maybe there's something that you need to empty out, because perhaps for the next 10 days, what the disciples did in the upper room is they emptied themselves of all the stuff that was in their life that didn't need to be in their life so that they could make room for the infilling of the Holy Spirit in their life. Maybe there's some stuff that you need to leave at church today. Maybe there's some stuff uh, that you need uh, to leave at the altar, as we say, and and give it up to God and and allow there to be an emptying of your life so that there can be a filling of your life with the Holy Spirit. It's it's, it's called the principle of displacement. What's the principle of displacement? If I had a, a, a glass filled with dirty water, on the stage. And then I had a pitcher filled with clean water. And if I begin to pour that clean water into the glass that's filled with dirty water, the principle of displacement will occur. And if I continue to pour clean water long enough into that glass filled with dirty water, the clean water will displace the dirty water until there's no more dirty water in there, and there's only clean water. The principle of displacement. Jesus said this to the Pharisees, the religious people of his day. He said, you hypocrites, you wash the outside of the cup. But you didn't care less about the inside of the cup. If we will first wash the inside of the cup, then the outside of the cup will be made clean. Sometimes, we know, we're, we're concerned about the things that are going on in our life externally, maybe some of the habits that you're struggling with, and we kind of focus on the outside of the cup. But if we will direct our focus to the inside of the cup, the interior of our life, the spiritual dimension of our life, and we begin to fill our life with more of God and more of his word and more of his spirit, then the law or the principle of displacement will occur. And the stuff that we don't want in our life will be displaced by the good stuff that we want in our life. Amen? (laughs) Uh, This past week, I was making a protein drink, and I was filling the blender up with water yeah, before I was gonna put some frozen fruit in there and some protein, you know, and I was filling it up with water, and I saw this little black dot inside of the blender inside the water. And I go, man, what's that? And it was a spider. And I'm like, how'd you get in there? You know? And uh, I thought about, you know, grabbing it with my hand and throwing it out. I said no. Thought about leaving it in there and add some extra protein, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't taste it anyway. But all I needed to do was continue to fill that blender with water. And the water that I was, the clean water I was filling, it, it displaced the spider that was in the blender into the sink, down the drain, see you later, okay? The principle of displacement. You know, nature abhors a vacuum. God abhors a vacuum. And nothing remains empty very long. If there's a void in your life, if it's not filled God's way, it will be filled in an ungodly way. Jesus told the story about a house that was swept clean and uh, was, was made pure, but then nothing filled the house that was, made, that was swept clean and made, and made clean. And what happened is the enemy came back in with seven other pals, and the worst state of that house, it was worse in the latter than in the former. Because nature pours a vacuum, our lives are going to be filled with something. And so many people's lives are filled with the wrong thing. But on the day of Pentecost, 120 devoted followers of Jesus, all of which had been previously born again, all of which, when Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, were here on the day of Pentecost for this second blessing from heaven, separate from salvation, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and they were filled to the overflowing of the Holy Spirit in their life. They received the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this was promised. Matter of fact, prophets seven hundred years before the day of Pentecost occurred prophesied and spoke about God's Spirit being poured out. Let me show you uh, some of these verses. Isaiah thirty-two fifteen. It says this: "Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest." a field that is barren and a field that is dry God pours out his spirit and what happens it becomes a fruitful field and then that fruitful field becomes a forest and that speaks of the if your life and my life being enriched by the outpouring of God's spirit again in Isaiah 44:3 it says this for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Oh, what a promise for every mom in here. What a promise for every dad in here. What a promise for all parents in here for us to begin to declare God's spirit being poured out on our children and on our children's children and on our children's children's children. God has promised Isaiah 44:3, 3 that he would pour out his spirit and that his blessing would be upon your offspring for generations to come. Wow. You know, there are some families that have like a generational curse. It seems like one generation after the next generation after the next generation, there's like this curse on them. But all that changes radically when we surrender to God and we receive the outpouring of his Holy Spirit and all of a sudden your generation, uh, it goes from being a cursed generation from, your, from this moment forward in your life, I declare, you're going to begin to see a blessed uh, generation and you're going to see the blessing of God follow your generation and generations to come. And then in Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, the prophet Joel. matter of fact, in a a few weeks we'll look at how Peter used the text from the prophet Joel in the very first sermon that was preached uh, right after the day of Pentecost. Oh, it's awesome. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. Uh, Joel 2.28 says this, "...it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions." God's promising to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Hey, by the way, I'm pumped for next week. You know what next weekend is? It's Father's Day. And we're going to take a break from the book of Acts. This is just an uh, un- unashamed commercial break. Because some of you are getting sleepy, so I need to kind of like reset you. Okay, so <laughs> next week it's Father's Day. Every man needs to be in church. Because not only for fathers, it's for men. Uh, and it's not only for fathers and for men... It's for boys, too, who are going to become men who will one day become husbands and then become fathers. That's the way it's supposed to work. Go from a boy to a man to a husband to a father, okay? Now, listen, I have a special message. Now, ladies, you're going to like, wow, this, this is like too much testosterone in this sermon, you know, or in this message. But that's okay. Because you know why? Every woman in here, every woman in here needs a godly man in their life. You need a godly father or a godly grandfather or a godly brother. And one day, you need a godly husband. So you're going you're to be motivated to want to come next week, too. Now, if you know men that don't attend church because they think it's boring, <laughs> get them to Trinity next weekend. You gotta, if you have to trick them, if you have to bribe them, whatever it takes, okay? It's going to be awesome. You're going to see things next, next Sunday that you have never seen in church before. Okay? Some of you might get like, whoa, what's going to happen? Just come and promise you won't be offended. Okay, now that I've got your interest peaked, you're like, forget about today, man. Let's all go home. <laughs> Let's come back next week. All right. We're talking about the outpouring of God's Spirit, which the Bible uses this phrase, and it's a very biblical phrase. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's probably not another teaching in all of the Bible that is more controversial than this one. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know that term is used six times in in your Bible, my Bible, our Bible, six times. Now, here's what I've done. I'm gonna be covering so much scripture in the next eight to 10 minutes, so much. Uh, And and people say, oh, you shouldn't cover that much scripture because you know, 50% of people's time today, did you know, I just read this in the news, that the average American spends 50% of their time either on television or social media. 50, some of you are doing it right now. Come on, get your eyes back on me, okay. (laughs) Your friends will be there, so-called friends, will be there after church, right? 50% of their time. So they say, you know what? Most people cannot listen to a 35-minute message and concentrate, so it's got to be short, it's got to be, you know, uh, entertaining, and you, you can't give them a lot of detail. You know what that is? That's an insult to your intelligence. I refuse as your pastor to insult your intelligence. You're better than that, and you're smarter than that. Matter of fact, you look smart today. All of you just look. Look at your neighbor and say, you look smart. He's talking about you, you know. All of you do. I know some people you meet, like, they don't look smart. But the, you guys know, hands down, you not only are smart, you look smart. So here's what I've done. You can go online, you can go to the Trinity app, and you can get the sermon notes. Everything I'm preaching, basically, I have in notes today because it's so important. So you can go to the app, and you can get the sermon notes. Or you can go online and get the sermons. Or you can go to the Bible, version Bible app, and you go to live events, and all my notes are in there for you. Or if you're the really smart people among us and you don't have a smart device, and you're off the grid, you can go to the Guest Connections and get a hard copy of my notes today, okay? So they're for you because I want you to have this information. So six times the term baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Six times in the Bible. Uh, All of which, except for the last time it's mentioned, are prophetic in nature. They're talking about how the Holy Spirit, you will one day be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John, talking about Jesus, he said, Listen, I baptize you with water, (laughs) but wait till the, the one, the one, comes after me who's greater than me. He is not just going to baptize you in water. He is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire, okay? Now, that's mentioned five times before the day of Pentecost, and then it's mentioned one time after the day of Pentecost in Acts eleven sixteen. 16. It's mentioned not in a prophetic sense, but in a historic sense. Uh, Luke is saying what had, had occurred in the lives of God's people, and it's a historic in nature. Um, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible, Because get this, there's more than one baptism mentioned in Scripture. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, hey, let's get out of kindergarten, he's saying, okay? Let's go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, that's being born again, and faith towards God. It's how we live out our life of faith. And the doctrine, say it with me, the doctrine of what? Baptisms. Is that singular or plural? Plural, not a trick question. So plural means there's more than one, correct? All right. Actually, did you know there are seven baptisms mentioned in the Bible? Seven baptisms mentioned in the Bible. There's John's baptism in water. There's Christ's baptism in water. There's baptism into suffering that Jesus talked about in Luke 12. There's a baptism into Moses, which is a baptism into the cloud and the sea that's made reference to in 1 Corinthians 10. Two, uh, 10 two. Uh, there's Christian baptism in water. There's baptism into Christ by uh, the Holy Spirit into one body, and then there's what's referred to six times the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three of those seven baptisms that are crucial and important to each of us that are Christ followers or those who are soon to be Christ followers. The three that matter most to us today is the first and most important one, and it's called the one baptism in Scripture, is being baptized into Christ. You see, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit, by His power, baptizes you into Christ, into His body. Okay, uh, And then there's water baptism. After we're born again, after we're saved, we obey the teaching of Scripture, and we are to be water baptized. Water baptism doesn't save you. Faith alone and Christ alone is what saves you. It's not Jesus and water baptism that saves you. It's not Jesus and going to church, which that, all of that's important. It's not Jesus and It's not Jesus and reading your Bible. It's not Jesus and good works. It's Jesus, period, and Jesus only that saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. But after we're saved, in obedience to the teaching of Scripture, we are water baptized. And then there is what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism. It's the endowment of power from on high as is described in the Bible. And some people think, oh, this is way too much for me. I can't grasp it. I can't understand it. Well, you know, sometimes revelation comes to us incrementally. And it comes to us in in one piece of the puzzle, then another piece of the puzzle, another piece of the puzzle, and all of a sudden, boom, you see it for what it is. And it's my heart as your pastor to help you get a really good glimpse in this message today so that you have an understanding of what the Bible means when it says baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verses 5 and 6. It says this. There's one Lord, one faith. Say it with me. One baptism. And then one God and Father of all who is above all through all and in you all. So the writer of Hebrews says baptisms. Paul, the writer of of Ephesians, says baptism. So what is is it? Is there one baptism or are there multiple baptisms? Well, there are multiple baptisms, but there's one that matters most. It's the baptism into Christ. It's being born again. It says it this way in Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Not baptized into water, that's important. Not baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's important. But baptized into Christ. When does that occur? When you are saved. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says it this way. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body, by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to God, brings us to a place of recognition of our own sinfulness, that we, want to, that we need to be saved. It's not of ourselves. It's of God's Holy Spirit drawing us. And then when we confess our sins, and we, Romans ten nine call upon the Lord, and we confess Him as Lord and Savior with our own mouth and our hearts, boom, the Holy Spirit takes that, and miraculously submerges us into Jesus Christ. Now, the word baptism, don't let it confuse you. The word baptism in the Bible comes from a Greek word, baptizdo, and it means to submerge, to dip, to immerse. So here's the deal. There is a blessed gift that God Grants to all Christians, it's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But in the Bible, it's also called the infilling of the Holy Spirit, or being filled with the Holy Spirit, or receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, some call it the fullness of the Spirit, or being full of the Holy Spirit. These terms are used numerous times throughout your Bible. So don't be confused. They all mean the same thing. What Jesus said in Acts 1 5, not many days hence, you will receive the baptism you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here's what's interesting. After the historical reference of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 11, verse 16, the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit is never used in the Bible again. Instead, the phrase the infilling of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Actually, 14 times in the Bible, the phrase or the term filled with the holy spirit is mentioned. Jesus in Luke 4:1, it says he was filled with the spirit. And this is God in human form. Hello. And he was filled with the spirit. John the Baptist in Luke 1:15, while he was still in his mother's womb was filled with the Holy Spirit, how cool is that, moms or moms to be, to begin to pray over that baby in your room, say, fill him, Lord, or fill her, Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and then the Bible says that Elizabeth, the mother of John, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then it says Zechariah, all this is in your notes, Zechariah, John's father, Luke one sixty seven, he also was filled with the Holy Spirit. All of this happened before the day of Pentecost. Hey, how many know that uh, our families would be in much better shape if we had more moms that were filled with the Holy Spirit and more dads who were also filled with the Holy Spirit and more infants in their mother's wombs <laughs> filled with the Holy Spirit? And then the next uh, nine uh, references uh, to uh, the, the Holy Spirit, or there are the nine, there, then there are nine more, there are ten more, but the next nine are mentioned in the book of Acts. Wow, 120 followers were, were received the infilling of the Holy Spirit Acts 2:4. Peter received the special filling of the Holy Spirit to speak to the Sanhedrin in Acts 4:8. It says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And some might be thinking, "Wait a minute, wasn't Peter filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2? Why is he being filled with the Holy Spirit in in Acts 4?" Because uh, we leak. Okay? You know, we're these vessels, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and, and our cups, our spiritual cups have some, some, uh, some minute, small holes in them, okay? So, well, I was, I was filled with the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Good. That's like saying, I filled my car up with gas a month ago. I don't need to fill it up anymore. I drank water a month ago. I don't need to drink anymore. No. No. These, these mighty experiences with the Holy Spirit are ongoing in our lives as it was for the early disciples. And then in the next reference is in Acts 6. The deacons, first selected, were full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, as he was being martyred, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul himself, he got saved on the road to Damascus. And then a few days later, Ananias comes, lays hands on him, and he receives the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul received a second filling of the Holy Spirit in Acts 13. Barnabas was filled with the Holy Spirit. Certain disciples at Antioch in Acts 13 were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, in Ephesians 5.18, the final time that this phrase is ever used in the Bible this way is in Ephesians 5.18. Look at what it says. Pull it up. Let's read this out loud together. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Spirit. Don't be drunk with alcohol. Now listen, I hope, I hope all of you have the testimony that you've never been drunk before. But to my chagrin before I got saved, now I haven't been drunk since I got saved, but before I, I, I have, I have been drunk before. See, I grew up in bars. My grandfather owned a bar. My dad owned a bar. He worked for Coors Beer for 27 years. I had access, total access all the alcohol I could ever want as a teenager. How many know being a teenager and being lost and having access to alcohol is not a good thing? Please go, parents, please go Not Yeah, not, not a good thing. You know what happens when somebody is drunk? I hope you don't know this experience, but I know this experience before I got saved, right? They are totally intoxicated. They are under the control of that alcohol. Now, I don't know if Paul had ever been drunk or he had a friend that had been drunk before, but he uses this as an example. And he says, please, Christians, don't get drunk. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. How I many know it's much, much better to be filled with the Spirit than to be filled with the spirits that you get at your local liquor store? Are you listening to me? Now listen, there is a filling and a refilling and a continuous filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Call it baptism with or in or by the Holy Spirit. Call it fullness of the Spirit. Call it receiving of the Holy Spirit. Call it the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Call it the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Call it drinking water, ingesting water, consuming water, partaking of water, absorbing water. Call it whatever you want, but the point is when you're thirsty, take the water in. Drink deep of the Spirit in your life, child of God, because there's nothing as life-changing than when we are filled to the overflow of the Spirit of God in our lives, and we need multiple (laughs) refillings of the Holy Spirit as we continue to walk with Jesus, as we continue to to serve the Lord. Listen, I have had the privilege of had so many different men and women of God impart into my life over the last 33 years. Uh, That's why I'm jazzed about the all-star team we have for this Inspire Conference. One of those individuals is Pastor Ricardo Rodriguez from Avivamiento in Bogota, Colombia. I get to go out there once a year and and do some leadership training and then we always, on Sunday, go to his church. He's always been so kind to us and our teams. He's such a godly man, a gifted man, a man full of the Holy Spirit. A man full of the Holy Spirit. His wife is full of the Holy Spirit, and he wrote a book called The Holy Spirit, My Best Friend. And his entire life and his ministry that's having a global impact is because he has this friendship with the Holy Spirit. I've been walking with Jesus for 33 years, and it's my goal to achieve, and it is my prayer that all of us together would achieve what the Apostle Paul speaks about in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Look at what it says. The amazing grace of the Master... Jesus Christ the extravagant love of God and I want you to read this last part with me the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you the what? the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit you see I love God with all my heart I worship him I love Jesus with all my heart there's one God manifesting in three persons Father, Son, Holy Spirit I love Jesus with all my heart, but I also love the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he's your helper. He's your comforter. He's the one that's been called alongside to live with you and in you and to give you the power to be a witness for Jesus in the earth today. And all of us can become more intimately acquainted with the Holy Spirit until we say we have a friend in our lives and our friend Is the Holy Spirit. You want to make people around you think you're weird? (laughs) Start talking about having a friendship with the Holy Spirit. But isn't it crazy the world we live in today? People, you know, these um, movie stars and these uh, famous people in our world today. They can get drunk and get arrested and all kinds of crazy and their popularity goes up. <laughs> you know, they get more Twitter followers, you know, they get, you know, higher paying contracts that they sign for for, their, uh, uh, for for their gifts and talents and skills. I'll tell you what we need though. It's not what the world offers. We need what God and only God can give us. the Fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the first 17, 18 years of my life, I lived my life devoid of the Spirit, devoid of it. And then God visited me, and God rescued me, and God saved me, and God changed me, and God filled me with his mighty Holy Spirit. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're walking with Jesus today. I don't know if you're serving him. Maybe you've never been saved. Uh, Maybe you're a Christian, and and maybe it seems like you're going through a spiritual drought yourself. Maybe the the Playa Lake of your life is empty. Uh, Maybe the well is dry. Uh, Maybe you're going through this season right now. And I want you to know that God can visit you in his power. And as we empty ourselves of ourselves, God can fill us with a fresh and filling of his Holy Spirit. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a secondary blessing. This is highly controversial. It's a secondary blessing to salvation. You see, at salvation, Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. At water baptism, uh, a minister or an agent of God baptizes you in the water. But at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus that baptizes you or submerges you into the Holy Spirit. And it's something that happens secondary to salvation. That's what happened here in Acts 2. And we're going to be looking at examples in the next couple and two weeks of how it happened throughout the book of Acts so that you have a biblical knowledge and a biblical understanding so you can exercise your faith in your own heart and in your own life. Now, here's the deal. Can some be more filled than others with the Holy Spirit? Listen. Light can fill a small room or a large room. You see, the light remains the same. The essence and its power remains the same to fill. It's the size of the room that determines the volume of light that fills that room. You see, Jesus is the only one that had the Holy Spirit without measure. And so what happens in our lives is that when we receive the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not that we're receiving uh, the Holy Spirit. It's not, he's not different In kind, but in degree. Everyone that's saved has the Holy Spirit. But when we open up ourselves and say, God, fill us to the overflowing, it's not that we have a different Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit has more of us. Not different in kind, different in degree. You know, last week I, I finished by reading what Charles G. Finney said about his experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Charles Finney was the greatest revivalist of the 19th century. He was an attorney. He was an intellectual. And I want to read one more time as we close the service what he wrote about this incredible experience that we've been talking about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As I turned and was about to take my seat uh, by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, my body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. These waves came over me and over me and over me. One after the other, until I recollect, I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more. Yet I had no fear. Of death. i like every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we come to you today and we ask each of us here, what would you have us to do with this message? God, your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have performed our, our due diligence, Lord, to share your word. And now is the time in the service where we can have a heartfelt response to this message. God, what are you calling us into? What are you calling us out of? What are you calling us from and to? God, what do you want to do in our lives right here, right now, today? Just open up your heart. Allow the Lord to take out of your life the stuff that you've been accumulating maybe over the past weeks or months or even years. Just empty yourself of of ourselves right now. And and then let's just say, Lord, fill us with your mighty Holy Spirit. Heads bowed and eyes closed for you here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You can confess your sins you can receive the remission of sins so that you could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us sake with your own mouth mean it from your own heart dear God in heaven I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior there's only one savior his name is Jesus I call upon you Jesus I ask you now come into my heart come into my life be my Lord be my savior I turn from sin to the true and living God and I receive his love his grace and his forgiveness dear God in heaven you're now my father and I am your child fill me now with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life Holy Spirit I receive you into my heart into my life that I might have intimate friendship with you from this day forward. Bring your gifts and your fruit into my life that would become visible in the days and weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank the Lord together, church family.